idea for all this really came from a dream? Yes, it did. Good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is Laura Powers. Laura Powers is an actress, model, producer, host, writer, psychic, singer, and speaker who helps others receive guidance and communicate with loved ones. While she was building her psychic business, she was making her living as an actor. She now focuses on all things she loves to do. She has a television show in development and is currently producing her first film. Laura currently hosts several podcasts on design, music, the entertainment industry, writing, health, and spirituality, as well as business and empowerment. She has millions of listeners and viewers, and her audience is growing quickly. She's also the author and a writer, and a writer, with seven published books and three more to be published next year. Damn, busy. She is also <laughs> shopping several screenplays, 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 and a television, plot, uh, television pilot inspired by her work and life as a psychic. Laura is one of the premier psychics in Los Angeles, though she currently travels to see clients regularly in New York City and other cities all over the world. Prior to her work in this as a psychic, she studied theater at the University of Colorado and has a master's degree in political science and has worked and explored in a political, spiritual, and creative realm. She has worked in politics, government, higher education, and as an actress, cabaret singer, and a burlesque performer. Laura also works as a ghost whisperer and paranormal communicator and works as a consultant medium for a paranormal investigation group, Altitude Paranormal Group. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. It's my pleasure to be here. It's definitely a great pleasure to have you here, Laura. I'm, I'm quite excited about this. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it, it feels like there's a lot of energy behind this interview. I was just um, chatting to you guys before I got here that it was really, it's been an interesting day, <laughs> <laughs> kind of energetically. Here we are, Mercury in retrograde, um, all kinds of Gatorade. interesting shenanigans kind of happening. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's great to talk with you and looking forward to our conversation. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. And it's really, it's well-timed up for people that know you weren't able to get on earlier, but I, th I personally think this timing as usual is perfect. Here we are coming right out of uh, the remembrance or in that season, remembrance of the dead yeah. and all that. And so it's just, it's like the time to have you on, in my opinion, this is this kind of like your shining time. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So October, November is, it's such a busy time for me, uh, you know, in terms of my work and there's just so much activity. I love Halloween and, you know, all the things that are oh, around yes. the season, but it's, it's a time of year when I feel like everyone is focusing on the dead, you know, the other dimensions, you know, the unseen. And so I, I love that. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a special time of year. And I think things are brought to the surface also, uh, energetically for us to look at and observe and sometimes to shift and release as well. Yeah, it, it's what's great is collectively we allow that. Yes. And so and and that's part of what makes a veil thinner is like we we're prepared collectively and it's like this is the okay time to to experience our ancestors or you know even experience the spooky and the strange and the bizarre and the weird with the why. So yes. isn't, isn't it Mars yeah. square Pluto right now too? Yes. In conjunction with the retrograde, that's fucked up. There, oh yeah, there's crazy astrology yeah. right now. I feel like I feel like 
for the last several years, there's been so many strange astrological things <laughs> that it's almost like the normal thing is for everything. It's almost like it's offended. a simulation. <laughs> well, it's been, there's been a big amping towards 2020 where there's some, you know, there've been some really rare astrological events recently, and it does seem to be amping towards this year we're, we're moving into, especially in February. Uh, yeah. And we'll I think see. too, you, you see those things as well as um, just some energetic things happening, like the Schumann resonance. I don't know how you guys are familiar. Oh, yes. With the that, I call but... it the Tesla resonance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's wow, bullshit. Like, so. You do, really. I don't know. I will feel strong uh, kind of psychic triggering and feel really intense. And then I'll look and sure enough, there was a spike on the Schumann resonance. But I'm an empath. And so I feel like I just pick up on both people's reaction to that shift as well as even maybe the the earth itself and its you know feelings or, so or I, I want to clarify the earth. Mm -hmm. i mean i i know it's a thing but there's been no studies that that show that that's you know anything other than a number and some we don't know what that is what that chart is and what that data is that's all i'm saying so I have yeah. a real sense that it it for me it's real and as and it's got, definitely got credence for me that tesla is the one who first discovered it and talked oh, about it but that's interesting i didn't know that about tesla yeah. but all, all i know is when it spikes up i feel it yes as <laughs> do i me, me too yeah so whatever it is something's happening <laughs> yeah it's definitely some kind of resonance frequency that's going but i don't know what the source of it is or how it's measured and that's that's all i meant by it's kind of BS that people are all attached to it being a certain thing. And when it spikes, they're like, oh, it's, you know, the, the ascension or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh. <laughs> well, if you can feel it, you know, if it quacks, it's a duck, maybe. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so let's, let's get into, let's start this show. And we usually start with taking you way back to your earliest memories of what inspired you as far back as you can recall uh, in the world. So looking for trying to build a foundation of Laura. So, you know, things that seem maybe silly, but things like pop culture and did you have a relationship with nature? Those kinds of simple things as far back as you can recall. Well, I think I have to go even farther back for me because my first memory is actually of the other side. So, oh, I love you. <laughs> and so, ever since I was here, you know, as Laura and form, I've known that there was something else. And it's it's not that it goes very far back. I believe that that memory that I have is actually basically right before I was incarnated in this form, and and I was standing in a circle of uh, beings of white light, like I was in the circle with them. And they didn't have faces or anything. It was just like, but I could sense there were these several beings standing around me. And the message I was getting, um, not through you know physical speech, but basically through telepathy or kind of spiritual communication, was it was time for me to go. And I remember being like, oh, okay. Like I knew that this was going to be hard. <laughs> and there have been many difficult things for me um, in this life, uh, but it was also important. And it was uh, something that I needed to do. So I was, I was born into an abusive situation. Uh, you know, there's some, definitely some tough things there. And then I, I think, uh, you know, in our society, we're still coming into kind of mainstream acceptance of psychic abilities, which mine are extremely strong. 
So that was tough for me. I grew up thinking it was crazy. It took many, many years for me to come to terms with that. So I think from the very beginning, I kind of felt like an alien <laughs> because I, I just remember looking around and just feeling like other people aren't like me. And, you know, there wasn't really anything to do about it at that point. Um, and for most of my life, uh, up until about 10 years ago, I just pretty much kept it to myself. Um, and then I had some experiences that I, I couldn't ignore and I really had to open up and start taking classes. And thankfully by that time, I think there had been more opening and it was e with the internet and different you know, kind of spiritual circles and books and things. It was easier for me to find information than, you know, when I was growing up as a child, but yeah, that's, that's been my process, but I've always been very sensitive, aware and very telepathic, um, you know, ability to connect with, feel and sense you know, animals, plants, um, people, ghosts, angels, <laughs> all kinds of different entities. Um, and I'm clairvoyant as well as empathic. I'm telepathic, um, somewhat clairaudient. Like sometimes I literally hear, you know, with my, my ears and, uh, you know, have various other things that'll come in from time to time, um, psychometry, you know, getting information through touch. Um, you know, dreams that come true. So all kinds of different things happening with me. Um, and this has been happening ever since I was young. I want to, we're definitely going to touch on all of that as we move in, especially when we start uh, chatting about the overlap between memory dreams, this reality, the other side and all that. Um, back in these kind of this foundational stuff, were you in, so as a, as a kid, once you came in, and I have a lot to say about your experience beforehand. These, we, I have heard that from a couple other people. Um, Sovereign Key, Lada Leon has also said that and brought some very interesting information. And then my personal experience, which everyone knows. So I, I love hearing that from another person. We are out there. Uh, what about pop culture stuff did were there cartoons movies any of that kind of surface level stuff that you gravitated to when you're little or that sticks out you know what's funny is that I've, I've always been into any kind of show that deals with the paranormal like ever since i was little and it's funny even one of my favorite shows when i was a kid was scooby-doo where they oh yes, you know, they yes. Still, some of it's like being debunked but it's still like a part of it where you'd be, you know, the man in the sheet costume or whatever. Yes. <laughs> still, still a thing. Um, or also just magic. I also loved Bewitched, you know, this oh. idea of kind of magic and, and people being able to manipulate and influence the physical material world. So yeah, I've always been really drawn to that. And, and I think believed it on a level, which most people probably don't because of the things that I witnessed and experienced you know, ever since a young age. And, and that love continues. Like I love uh, television shows and, and films that deal with the paranormal slash supernatural magical as yes. well. Yeah. As, Dr. Bombay as do was I. my hero. I loved, I loved Paul Lynn though too, uncle. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, geez. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Um, oh, geez, I can't think of it either. Paul Lynn character. I know. Isn't that weird? I've mentioned him so many times. Uh, yeah, Bewitch was iconic. But Scooby Doo doesn't yeah. get enough play. Doesn't get enough. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It really. And it Scooby Doo really brought in a lot of this stuff for a couple generations of people, and yeah, both sides, it, the debunking, but also keeping us open to it. 
It is. And it's still like a popular Halloween costume. And I think that says a lot that it, you know, for literally decades, it's been a, a very popular thing. And, it, and there, there's a certain resonance and also this desire for people to understand and figure out, you know, what is, what is being shown to me? Is this real, you know, from a physical perspective, or is there something that we can't explain here? Yes. The power of questioning, very big deal. Yeah. I just found out Uncle Arthur. Yes. That's right. <laughs> I couldn't remember the name, but yeah, I, I remember that too. So He's fun. so crazy. I loved him. And okay, so also back here in these kind of early formative days, did you have any of the typical fears like fear the woods or under the bed, in the closet, the dark, that kind of stuff? You know, I would say I was not um a fearful child, but I think I'm I'm basically very strong and I had a lot of things that were and probably seemed very scary happening, um, but I'm I managed to get through it. So I could be what's called a trance meeting and where I could have spirits come in and communicate through me. I, you know, I now understand that I'm basically set up that way. Um, I prefer not to do that. I, I work more as like a mental medium where I relay whatever it is that I'm sensing and prefer to have my body for me. And no, thank you. Don't want anyone else <laughs> <laughs> coming in and, you know, having, uh, having some time in, in this body. Um, but that didn't stop, uh, you know, various beings from trying. So not only was I seeing and sensing stuff that was pretty intense, um, but I literally had spirits like trying to get in my body. And so that would be a battle frequently and I for me a lot of it was exhausting and then before I understood how this worked I frequently would have like at night where I would have what seemed like the worst reel of nightmare images from like horror movies just like cycling through um my third eye like if I would see it you know in my mind's eye and now I realize there are different you know spirits and beings that were trying to feed on that fear and um, just showing that to me on purpose. And so now if anything like that comes up, I'm just like, oh, clear that, clear that, you know, right away. I don't need, don't need to see that. But I just didn't even know how anything worked then. So that said, you know, I now uh, I'm fairly fearless compared to a lot of people, especially with some of this stuff, because I have experienced so much. And at the same time, as worse, as awful as some of this stuff was, I'm fine. And I was fine. Um, most of it's uh, mental. Yeah. What about nature? Did you have a relationship with the natural world? I've always loved nature. Um, being in nature, I'm, but it's funny, I'm definitely an urban person, but I need to be around plants. So I like to be in cities, but near places where there are plants and gardens. And, and then I still have to get out. Like I can't be in a concrete jungle for a long time, but I feel very connected with nature spirits. Um, Plants are very strong with me and trees in particular, like I've always loved trees. And, and as I got my training, I learned I could, you know, communicate with certain trees. And I do feel like a lot of them have so much wisdom to share. And it's something that most people just dismiss. They don't understand that there is a consciousness with plants. Um, it's one of my beefs with um, vegans that judge non-vegans. So I'm not judging vegans. I'm saying there's a type of vegan that is um, almost militant and uh, hateful towards people that eat meat, and I'm like, look, plants are alive too, guys. <laughs> Not to freak everyone Absolutely. out, but yep. to be alive is to eat life in many ways, and so I just think it's important for us not to judge. 
Yeah, a hundred percent with you on that. And and it's a it's it's a mindset. It's a getting to the the connection factor that people seem to short out on. <laughs> right. When it when it comes to plants and trees and trees, really wow. And then there's the mycelium under the ground. I mean, we could talk all night on all this. It's a, amazing. What about okay? So that could be our overlord. <laughs> it really could be this. You know, there's there's a whole theory there what about dreaming at a young age what how are you dreaming so we i know you were conscious when you came in and you you know you have a sense of where you come from but how did it play out when you got into your your little baby suit yeah so i think until i learned how to protect my dream space and my psychic spiritual space as a whole a lot of my dreams um, were pretty intense and somewhat nightmarish. And not only that, but, you know, I was described as having night terrors because when I would wake, I would start to kind of wake up. And it's like, I, I think when, before you learn how to use your clairvoyance, your, your third eye, what would happen is I was starting to wake up and I was still seeing very strongly clairvoyantly until it kind of shut itself down. And so basically I would see things in this sort of psychic spiritual realm, but in my physical space. So I would tell people like, I might wake up in the middle of the night and be talking to people that aren't there, <laughs> things like that. And it took me a long time to figure out what was really going on. And now I recognize like, it's not that they weren't there completely. They're just not physical beings. A lot of what I was picking up on. And I had to learn how to access it, you know, at will and not just in that kind of in-between sleep and dream state and also to have boundaries with what I allowed in. So a lot of these things are just showing up and the analogy I give to people is our minds, our lives and our energy fields are very much like a garden. If you don't plant flowers and weed, you know, you're going to have a really weedy patch of land. And that's basically what's happening. I just, anything was kind of coming in that wanted to come in. I hadn't set any parameters or boundaries or limitations. And a lot of the stuff that I would ultimately want to have in there wasn't in there because I hadn't, you know, nurtured it and um, created it in, in my energy field. And so now it's very different for me. And I still can have some kind of wonky dreams, particularly if I'm, sometimes it'll happen where I, let's say I have a client coming up and I have like some weird dreams. I'm like, oh, that's totally connected with that client. Like my connection with that client is bringing in some of their, you know, kind of stuff that's happening with them and I'm dreaming about it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's uh, this is one of those tricky things for me when I have what I consider the big dreams that feel prophetic, where I'm um, empathic as well, and I feel like mm -hmm. I'm filtering in a lot of what's going on collectively. Uh, and so it's hard to know sometimes where the boundary is once in a while when it's big overtures energetically. So, okay. And then back here, let's just wrap up the young Laura. Within the dream idea, the idea of the dreamscape and the idea of dreaming as people perceive it separate from reality, we're so dealing with the night terrors early on and learning how to parse out uh, the entities and all of that. Were you having states of lucidity and uh, how, how high was your lucidity at this point going? I, 
I would say it was pretty low. I mean, it literally wasn't until I was an adult and started to get training that I was able to piece so much of this stuff together. I mean, I still did see and sense, sense things that, you know, were there. Um, but I would also have a lot of what I call now entity dreams where they were dreams that were influenced by entities that were, you know, I think of them as like energy parasites that were feeding on fear, stress, anxiety, you know, chaos, whatever. Um, I would, for example, see ghosts and spirits that were there and be lucid in that way. But in terms of connecting with light sources and kind of seeing some more true things, that wasn't until after I was 30 and got training. Um, I think a lot of uh, my angels and spirit guides that were showing up and I just didn't even recognize their presence. And there was so much coming in that it was hard for me to kind of weed through all the sort of psychic spiritual noise to even hear their messages. So it's kind of like you have a bunch of, you know, random people shouting at you and then behind that, there's someone quietly saying something in a calm voice. And it's like, you can't really hear that calm voice. and There's all that other stuff in the way. And that's kind of where I was. And then, so also just to kind of get the mechanics of the dream stuff out, how do you dream, how, okay, and if it's changed, so we'll just give this the scope of your life, but if it was specifically different and changed at one point, that is something I'm definitely Yeah, it was for me, it was in. once I, so, you oh, know, sorry. Mm -hmm. so just the, the landscape, like colors, taste, sound, black and white, since, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So it was when I really started to open up psychically because for, for years, I just, I tried to block it out because I, it didn't seem like a good thing to me <laughs> at the time, but then fast forward many years and I ended up in a bad place in my life. I was unemployed. I was in a bad marriage. Um, I was physically ill and I went to a psychic and she explained how, when I had blocked out my psychic abilities, I also blocked out my intuition, which made sense. So I said about the process of intending to opening back up, taking classes, becoming more purposely aware of some of the stuff. And that was when I experienced a profound shift. So I used to have a lot of kind of nightmares and just dreams with a lot of weird, you know, seemingly strange um, things coming up, symbolism, et cetera. And then I started to have really profound, you know, meaningful spiritual dreams where I would wake up and, you know, a lot of those other dreams, like you would wake up and it just all would kind of like start to fade away and there was no connection. But after I made that shift of consciousness and opening up on purpose, I started to have dreams that were very meaningful and very memorable. I can still tell you like some of these dreams that I had many years ago, even that are so significant. And they were basically, I believe, like guidance dreams and, and really strong direct messages for me about my life and how to be. And, and so, yes, I have those kinds of dreams now where they're very meaningful and specific and less of those kind of triggered kind of entity dreams. And what's funny, even, even though I can still have like a, a quote unquote bad dream, they're hilarious now because now it'll literally be like, oh my gosh, I don't have the right shoes to wear. Like, <laughs> You know, not something that probably anyone's going to really freak out about. Whereas before I was having dreams that might be like, literally babies being murdered or something truly horrifying so it's definitely changed a lot and um, I would say now when I tend to have dreams I'm a lot more calm and the symbolism comes through in a very clear way give us some examples of the dreams you were just hinting at sure so uh, there are a couple of dreams that um, were very significant that I don't I don't think I'll ever forget so one of them happened as I was going through this shift and one of the things I really struggled with was ghosts. It's the first, you know, the first types of beings I think really showed up to me. 
I, as a kid, sometimes struggled to tell who was a live person and was not because sometimes they appeared very solid to me. In fact, I would think they were a live person until they did something that a live person would do, like, you know, buzz through a door or, or disappear or whatever, um, appeared to dematerialize. And so that was a big challenge for me. And there was a period of time when I was really struggling with what do you do? I mean, what do you do? All the things that are from the physical world don't work with ghosts because, you know, they're not limited by physical barriers, you know, et cetera. And I had this dream where I was swimming across a lake and it was night. And on the far side of the lake, you could see there was this light. Like, I don't know if it was the sun coming up or whatever. There was this light that was clear the message, like, go towards the light. Swim towards the light. That's where you need to go. And in the water, I was on the surface of the water. And when I looked down, there were all these dead people that were underneath the water and they were trying to grab me and pull me down in, into the darkness with them. And the message I got was don't focus on them because if you do, you'll get pulled down. And if you focus on the light and move towards the light, you'll be fine. And that's basically what happened in the dream. I just kept swimming towards the light and I, and I woke up before I got there, but it was just like, no, you're fine don't focus on that darkness and those spirits that are trying to pull you down. And that, that was a very meaningful dream for me. And that was basically the message of how I needed to operate. Like, yes, those things are there, you know, have awareness of them, but don't get pulled in. And how old would you say you were when that specific message was coming through? Oh my gosh. That was after I was kind of psychically opened back up. I think I was 31. Um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was well into adulthood. And then I had another dream that was a similar timeline, I think maybe just a little bit later than that. And um, the peacock has always been an animal that is really resonant for me. And I had, I read a story that made me so frustrated because it was about how, you know, not everyone should try to be a peacock. I think it was some kind of folk story. And, you know, because peacocks can't fly and like if they get attacked then they're going to be in danger because of this. And in the dream, I was a peacock and something tried to attack me. And instead of being bogged down, like when I needed to, I just released my tail and just flew away. (laughs) But I feel like it was symbolic, like you can still have and be whatever you need to be and just know that you always will have the tools um, to be safe. Oh, I love that symbolism. I love peacocks <laughs> too. That's amazing. That's really, really, really good. And your perspective coming out of that also just is right on for me listening. Thank you. Yeah, they were extremely profound for me at the time. And because I had still been operating a little bit more out of fear and at limitation and the message were just focus on the light, be who you are, you'll be safe no matter what. And I really feel that. And it was... um you know, a little bit before that, that I had this angelic vegetation experience, which had really changed my perspective too, because I'd been connecting with kind of the darkness and dark beings that were around and not known how to invite in and how to bring in some of these lighter energies. And once I did, I had an angelic visitation experience, which profoundly changed my perspective. And I knew at that point that I was going to be all right. And that's when I started to get these dreams, like I'm telling you about, and more specific messages from angels and guides and asking them for help and guidance regularly. And I'm so passionate about angels because I feel like most people don't know about them as a resource, don't understand how to utilize them and, you know, can literally help you go from a life that is um, about pain and struggle and challenge and difficulty 
to something that is magical and more easeful. You still have, we still have our lessons. It's never, you know, all that stuff is never going to completely go away, but we don't have to be immersed in it like 24 seven, like the way that I was. When you, so let's stop here and talk about angels for a second. And, um, and if you could give us some dream imagery of how they've, how you've been in contact and that kind of stuff would be excellent. Um, what's your perception? So there's a lot, we all have a different perception. Of course, mine is this, uh, these higher beings that are, uh, non-gendered, you know, they're just a higher, they, they just don't even apply to, to our ideas of, um, identity here, right? They're way above above that and there's and in that there is this idea for me of uh i don't even i can't even find words for them laura actually they're they're just the, the energy's so intense but they can they can be scary and not intentionally not trying to scare people but they they have a fierceness to them and that reminds me a bit of like the yeah. old the old grecian gods and stuff where they all have their specific qualities mm-hmm. and there is uh they're accessible but there is this this barrier between us and them and so i'm curious where where are you within all this and uh again if you have if you want to share some of those a couple of those dreams with them that are formative, I would love. Yeah. So angels, I think are incredibly powerful. And I found that there's a huge variety amongst angels. I mean, there's lots of different types of angels and then there's, you know, different angel personalities within, within those different types of the different orders of angels and, you know, the kinds of angels that, you know, work with humans as a general rule are going to be different than some that work with um, different planes and different types of beings. And then with even within, say, Archangels, you know, that there's a huge variety. So Archangel Michael, it's, it's so interesting because he is, to me, the warrior, so stoic, so serious, um, the protector. It's such a different energy from, you know, maybe someone's guardian angel who is very light and kind of more stereotypically what we think of as an angel as being very sweet and positive and nurturing and supportive. <laughs> like Michael's this, you know, kind of, you know, badass warrior with a sword. <laughs> uh, so I just think that's, so interesting. The more I learned about different angels and interacted with them, the more fascinated I was by the different ways that they can manifest. What's interesting is that I actually haven't had a lot of dreams from angels once I opened up. I feel like I should I should say they give. I think they give me dreams, and they are even those two dreams that I mentioned to you. I think they basically helped form and present those dreams to me. But they don't show up in dream states to me as much. But I literally just open up and channel with them and commu- and communicate with them regularly. So that was a big part of my learning was just being able um, to do that. I think a lot of people interact with angels, whether or not they know it, through angel lights. Um, so this was something that was happening since I was a kid, and I just didn't recognize it until I was an adult. This ability to you know see see them just in light form. So I now know that different angels show up as different colors. So. Archangel Michael is like, you know, usually blue. Um, that's how he shows up for me. For some people, he shows up as kind of fuchsia. Uh, for me, he's always blue. And so I know when he's there, when I just keep seeing that color. Um, yeah, I did have one uh, interesting experience with Archangel Michael that was before I was even psychically opened up that that always really resonated with me. So my my middle name is Michael, or excuse me, Michelle, which is the female version of Michael. And I had one experience when I was in college and it's one of those things that really gave me pause at the time because I didn't understand it yet. So 
but I was at the Isabella Gardner Stewart Museum in Boston. And this is a museum that was, a, you know, and a woman's home. She was a philanthropist. And when she died, she made her house a museum. And there's all these incredible artworks in there. And I was in this museum and looking across one of the floors and like way across, I could see this giant painting. And it was the weirdest thing because I saw this painting and it was like, I know that guy, <laughs> except it was a painting from the 15th century and it was an archangel and it was Michael. <laughs> so oh, wow. that, that was one of those first moments where I, I kind of got that there was something with Michael. I, I still was psychically shut down and I didn't really get it, but I just knew that something was going on. And I feel like something in that painting really captured something in him. And um, yeah, it was so strong. It was this incredible recognition of this being. And it wasn't until many years later when I opened up and started channeling angels and, and understanding about this stuff that I, I understood its deeper significance for me because I do believe that he is one of my main guides and is, is always there by my side. I love I love that story with the painting. I have I've I've always been I I didn't grow up with um within any any religion and so none of that was in there. And I did forget to ask if you were brought up with a religion. So I am not religious now you know I, I consider myself spiritual and there are um, certain things that um, are talked about in various religions that do line up for me and many things that don't so I, I don't ascribe to any particular religion but my mom's family is uh, Irish Catholic and so I was raised with um, some of those beliefs but at the same time my mom was already I would say somewhat disenfranchised so she didn't raise me in it as like this is you know god's truth or something but i was presented and it was shared from a cultural perspective because she grew up in a, in a catholic family so i have always been kind of fascinated and interested about religion but i think always felt like it's only part of the picture so there are certain texts that i refer to and i believe there's some resonance um, a lot of the ones that i really do i sometimes i think are interesting because they're like apocryphal for example like they're not in accepted Text. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gospel of Thomas and Mary. Yeah, there's some good stuff out there. Yeah, there, there's, yeah, there's, there's many uh, that, you know, the ones that we're talking about fallen angels and all kinds of like, oh, yeah, know, yeah. Bethlehem Enoch. And, mm -hmm. exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The Hobbit. Yes. Um, so, so I think there's something there, but I, I'm never going to, for any particular, to be like, oh, all of this. Yes. Because um, I feel like they're created by humans and, yeah, they're frequently an agenda and things got lost in translation and they were only from their own, you know, kind of perspective and filter as people anyway. So, yeah, that's where yeah. I am. Yeah, I feel like the gems are scattered everywhere. I see uh, Michael is blue, too, and I think a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. I uh, and I'm particularly I've always been super fascinated with the seraphim. And so, you know, the six yes. fire, the fiery wings, holy, holy, and they're the scary ones. <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> no, there are some that are so powerful that they yeah. almost like, like and this, this idea like that certain angels, you can't look at them because you would literally be blinded. Like our physical yes. form can't even handle, handle it. it. <laughs> yeah. The, it's like you turn to at, your eyes get blown out the whole thing. There's a lot of deep symbology there. And of course, as we know, there's where that is, there's there's a root of truth somewhere going on. Absolutely. Yeah, it's and I love some of these 
shows like Supernatural where I think they yes. address that. And, <laughs> they and totally like, yeah, do. So <laughs> they oh, they have the best team of writers because they really mm-hmm. do pull in the juice and give it yeah. to people in those spoonfuls of you know what is the juiciness of Supernatural the show. Yeah, uh, totally. Okay, so I wanted to also talk about this period of time that I keep circling. It's been mentioned several times. So it's really just post your Saturn return. So it's like right around 30, 31. Mm -hmm. Give us, take us into that period of your life. This is instrumental clearly. I mean, obviously it's a Saturnian period where things get shook up anyway. Oh yeah. You really took that and moved forward into your awakening and into who you are now clearly so give us an idea of what was going on for you and if you could root it into your dream world uh if you could root the get the worlds together your your day side life and then also the dream sphere sure so yeah this all was happening for me where i had been kind of shutting out my abilities trying to ignore them um ignoring not only that but my body you know so i I'm very sensitive as many psychics are in terms of what I put into my body. And I was basically for, you know, my whole life, uh, eating and consuming things that are just not aligned with my form at all. (laughs) But I didn't understand that. I mean, I was just eating what typical Americans eat and, um, was uh, in a lot of health problems as a result of that. So I, I reached this point where, I was in a bad marriage that I didn't realize was even that bad till all of a sudden I really realized it was really bad. And then I'd had a contract position with the University of Washington, which ended. So my master's is in political science. I had moved with my husband at the time from Colorado, where I mostly grew up, to Washington State. And this contract position that had ended right as the recession hit. And then right around then was when I realized that my marriage was super awful. Uh, And then I was physically sick. I was unemployed. So it was like, Every aspect of my life was in crisis. I was sick. I was unemployed. My marriage was falling apart. I was totally lost in terms of what do I do with my life because because of the recession, everything that I had been kind of leading towards was no was just like shut off. And I think it needed to happen. I also w- went through this spiritual awakening, and suddenly it was very interesting because suddenly politics had like no interest for me, which was so weird because that for me at the time everything had been leading up to that. Like I was heavily involved in politics. Not only did I work in government and politics, but I had been uh, a delegate in the state assembly and convention. I I was a planning commissioner for my town. I had been chair of my local public art committee. And like I was involved, you know, at a very deep level. And I now know I have past lives that are associated with, you know, government and politics. And for example, I wanted to be president when I was a little kid, like, you know, but, but as I had this, a psychic spiritual awakening and shift, I recognized how all that was not my path. It was such a strong thing. Like it was like instantly like a switch got flipped and I was like, nope, that's not it. And I was still trying to figure out what that was, but I suddenly realized I have to pay attention to the spiritual stuff. I also have to pay attention to my body because I had not been paying attention to my body. And I just basically been just kind of trying to rule over my body like my mind is going to force this on my body like I tried to be a vegetarian 
don't handle it well. I'm carb sensitive, <laughs> uh, soy, allergic to soy, allergic to wheat, like everything that you would eat as a vegetarian, basically my body rejects. So I went through this kind of profound physical as well as spiritual shift at the same time and just basically developed an awareness of what it is that both physically and spiritually is aligned with me and what isn't. And I had to acknowledge that for the first time. And through that same process, I also started to develop a much more positive relationship with my dreams. So that's when I was starting to have the dreams that I was telling about versus these just very triggered, horrible, you know, kind of nightmarish or just chaotic, uh, you know, dreams where anything was coming in that had really nothing to do with me and guidance. So like one of the dreams I mentioned, you know, was this like nightmare dream where it was right at the very end of my marriage. And when all these things were kind of coming to a head and I literally had a dream where all these babies were being murdered in front of me and there was like nothing I could do. And it was just this feeling of being out of control. And no matter what I did, I couldn't help. And you know, there was just pain and destruction you know, all around me and to go from that to the dreams that I told you about that are very much about, you know, empowerment and hope and focusing on the light and not the darkness. In, so in this period where, where the shift took place, what specific kinds of, um, so obviously the new pathways opened up and, and the pain and the struggle and all this stuff was starting to produce the wonderful thing that creates the pearl, right? The at bigger agitation, and it gives us the energetic force to move forward and create. So, what, what's, what things did you find as far as tools like training to get into where you are now with opening your third eye and further? Because it was always, it was always there, but to right. take it deeper and to walk into the agency that you hold now psychically. So I took a ton of classes from local teachers, from, you know, teachers that were, you know, bigger kind of national or international teachers. I read so much about all this stuff, you know, from this, from angels to paranormal, to learning about energy healing, all anything in this kind of realm was on the table. And there were days when I would read a book a day, like I was just like ravenously <laughs> consuming information related on this topic. I also started to open up, ask for messages from my angels and spirit guides, pay attention to signs I was receiving from the message from the universe. So this was all happening all at once. And, and it became clear very quickly that I I, you know, have a strong ability to channel and relay messages. So as I was taking these classes and part of the practice was basically to do readings for people and people in the classes are saying like, oh my gosh, Laura, you are getting, you're right on, like you're getting information so quickly and easily with very little training. And so that was a, a huge shift for me because I recognized that this was, you know, I don't think this is an accident. I still had a lot of shifting to do in terms of releasing old attachments like I still had a really hard time letting go of the politics of government even though I I wasn't interested it was like all I knew so it, it was hard for me to accept the idea of being a professional psychic even once I was very interested in this and and passionate about it 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 took um I would say like one to two years for me to fully come into acceptance of like wow this is really part of what I'm here to do as a soul 
and to accept it and kind of take it on. Oops, I, I muted myself. I was unmuted oh, earlier. Okay. Hello? Like, Where'd she go? Where'd she go? <laughs> Hello. Um, so in this period, do you recall any significant... So you gave us the, the dreams earlier, but moving, yeah. moving forward a bit, when you started to actually take full agency and realize what your path had always been, uh, it, because that's definitely what I hear here from the very beginning. This was always there. It was latent mm -hmm. in you. You came with this. And um, and it's clear because you keep answering questions I have. So, I mean, you're right there in my head. It's awesome. Oh. I don't <laughs> get that a lot, Laura, really. <laughs> And I'm, I'm empathic. <laughs> yeah, I, and I'm an empath too. So it, it's it's really, and I've talked to a lot, and it's funny how some just don't seem to be there. But to you, I can tell people, Laura's a hundred percent there. It's kind oh, of spooky. I love it. That's great. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm I'm definitely enjoying that. So in this in this post period, when you decided I'm this is it, I I've really honed in on this what kind of so when you accepted it and moved forward and got past kind of the uh even have the outer world there's those moments when you start making the stuff happen and there's still just those voices coming at you like uh from from people in the world saying what are you yeah. talking you know when you're switching life essentially yeah. and they, so what what was going on in your dream world at that particular time I think I was kind of vacillating from still some of these kind of triggered kind of entity dreams to dreams that were guidance dreams and more calm. So it was, you know, transitioning from one to more of the other. And I also had an amping up of what would be maybe not called dreams, but, you know, visions or um, that time that in between sleep and dream state being extremely significant and powerful for me where I would have significant realizations, awarenesses of different beings that were there, sometimes light beings, sometimes dark beings. Um, so that's when I had one of these, this angelic dissertation experience that was so profound for me. And that was really right at the beginning of this acceptance of this journey. And I just was surrounded by you know, the feeling and sounds of angels. And there, there was like this humming sound and I could hear their wing beats actually. And just a feeling of security and love and that no matter what happened, I was going to be safe. So that really tr started this whole journey for me. And a lot of what started to happen was not as much in the dream state, but actually in conscious awareness, becoming aware of things that I think had always been there, but I was seeing them through a different lens. So for example, I'm, I'm very telepathic, receiving information through my thoughts, and I had assumed I think like most people do that my thoughts were my own and I'm now I'm like, ah, that's ridiculous. Uh, for most people, you know, <laughs> our thoughts are so much a combination of all these different things coming in. But whereas before I had just been like, well, yep, that's terrible or whatever. I guess it's mine. Uh, I started to question it and I had some very specific experiences where I suddenly realized like, wow, that is like someone talking. And I don't have to accept that. And I certainly don't have to internalize it. I remember walking down the street and I heard this, what sounded like my thoughts, but in my head and, and it was someone who was cursing and just the tone was really not 
something that I felt like was mine when I questioned it. But when I was young, I just took it all on. And I grew up, for example, thinking that I was very ugly and having a very negative self-concept, even though this wasn't a situation where, you know, people physically in my life were telling me that I was, it just, I think I heard it psychically so much because there were beings that were trying to make me feel badly about myself that when I got to the point where, you know, as an adolescent, where you start to get hit on by, you know, other boys or, or men or whatever. And I literally thought it was a joke, like hit on the ugly girl, uh, you know, as to be mean or whatever, because I had gotten so many negative um, messages through thoughts. And so it's, it took me a long time to unpack that and figure that out. So for me, there were things that were coming in through dreams, but I think the biggest shift for me was during the waking state and realizing how much comes in through our, our thoughts and feelings that isn't ours. And we can either take stuff in from entities and ghosts and things like that, or we can choose to get thoughts and feelings from later beings and you know, we just need to learn how to choose. And, that, and that's what was happening as I was starting to learn how to do that. Yeah, this is, this is a big deal with the voices and hearing and what we take on. And especially as we see the suicide rate just skyrocketing, Yes, that absolutely. is part of it. And it's, people are not understanding that, that the, those voices are not their own. These yes. are external and, and and part of the pardon my language fuckery of the outer world though is is telling you that you're crazy if you want to say these are not your voices. This is you know the the feedback we get is terrible as a society. I Completely. Like I I literally thought I was crazy growing up, and I just was like I just can't talk about this because I didn't want to be labeled as crazy. I didn't want to be put in asylum. I just didn't want to deal with it, so I just kept it all to myself. And it wasn't until a family friend described a ghost that I'd seen but never told anyone about that it, I got confirmation that it wasn't in my head. But I agree, this whole issue of mental health and suicide, depression, mm-hmm. um, also not just on that level, but you know, people that do these mass shootings or you know, attacks, um, some terrorist activity, that's also what's happening is that they're being yes. influenced by some of these beings. And and I had um, done a, a reading with a client um, that was so fascinating, but it, it made so much clear afterwards. This was in Colorado. We've had a series of problems with um, kind of strings of suicides. I think this happens in other places too, but I just heard about it since I was in Colorado where, you know, someone would commit suicide and then someone related to them would commit suicide and someone connected them would commit and what I saw was this kind of entity hopping where these beings, these kind of entity, again, I think of them as spiritual or energetic parasites would really kind of attack and focus on one person who was vulnerable, get them to kill themselves. And the people around them are now going to be vulnerable because they've just lost someone they loved and they're sad. And then they would hop over to whoever was the next kind of most vulnerable person and attack that person. And that's what would happen. Like these beings would literally kind of jump from person to person. And as someone succumbed, they would find the next kind of weakest target near them. And so, yeah, I, I really would love for there to be more openness and understanding of this in terms of mental health from mainstream society. I think there are people that are working on helping this to happen, but it's still a pretty kind of side, you know, kind of like weird idea for most people. Well, it's not materialistic. You can't quantify it. It's not repeatable. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of reasons why. Plus, uh, yeah. Freud pretty much destroyed any possibility of outside influences 
from the spiritual realm, you know, on your psyche. Whereas yeah. Freud may have destroyed him, but Jung brought it in. He brought oh. the that yeah. into the conversation. I think it existed long before Jung as just like oh, of course common knowledge, sure. and he he brought it to the public. So yeah, yeah. But he kind of classified it and mm-hmm. gave it context in a way that that I think it resonated for people. I find it curious that those entities don't split or invite their friends. You know, hey, look what I found a crowd. Like they could hang out with an Antifa group, you know, and just go nuts. But well, sometimes that happens too. Um, uh, certainly, uh, things with, with you know, violence or aggression towards groups or a particular type of people. But, but I do think I, I really see them with um, either these kind of aggressive um, mm-hmm. kind of terrorist acts and then and with people that are depressed and suicidal. Yeah, it's like a, it's definitely a, I always see it as kind of like a chain and and that you mentioned earlier where once one starts, then that whole group of people gets infected with, you know, the mourning, the sorrowful, the missing, all this, and then it's low hanging fruit. Right. Yeah. It's easier for them because that person is already emotionally vulnerable and maybe feeling alone and Mm -hmm. somewhat abandoned. So it's it's interesting for me to look back on this now, knowing what I know as a psychic, because I actually struggled with depression and was a period of time when I thought a lot about suicide. And I'm I'm just you know I'm very thankful that I yeah didn't go down that path. But I now realize that so much of that was just being planted in me. And for those of us who are here to do this kind of deep spiritual work, that it's much easier to try to you know bring down the, the the light bearers or you know then then the whole effort and so those of us who are teachers healers um there have often been pretty big efforts to snuff us out um and i think people that end up committing suicide sometimes that's the case where they get i would say more kind of a, attacks or negative attention than maybe an average person Absolutely. I, um, and this is, you know, sadly it's common. I think most people these days have gone through this, um, you know, for lack of a better word, this kind of suicide virus, uh, the deeper into this, this reality timeline we're on, I certainly did too as well. And it was, it was definitely part of my initiation into, wow, these are actually not my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is external and it was happening internally right it's an internal feeling but when you realize you're being fed upon and these thoughts are not actually your own that's yeah. a, a light bulb moment uh and i've never been depressed since once i cracked that code so and that you know that's a long time yeah. ago, i was teenagers so i wanted yeah. I want to talk a little bit about some ideas around OBEs and extreme lucidity. So waking up within the dream and give us, give us your experience within this kind of stuff. Sure. So I've definitely had out of body experiences and, you know, been able to astral travel, um, project myself outside of my form. 
um, certainly in dream state, and then also, uh, you know, the ability to um, do controlled remote viewing and things like that. So whether it's your actual form going to that place or just you're able to put your consciousness there. I mean, I absolutely have gotten so many uh, confirmations that it's possible. I had experience with myself, taught classes where people are doing this. So I think this is absolutely a thing. And I think it's it's not even just about this dimension because I think when most people think of let's say for example astral travel they tend to think of like in this dimension and I think it's really complex when you get um, you know different dimensions and this multi-dimensionality aspect and I think it's also possible to through that similar method to go into other dimensions and explore those and that's something that I think most people aren't really thinking about and. And, you know, when there's beings that we don't understand or we think of as alien or foreign, people are assuming that some of these are extraterrestrial when a lot of times I think they're extra dimensional. And some of them are more physical than others, um, but it is possible for us, some of us to go into some of these other dimensions and it's possible for some of them to come into our dimension as well. And so that's where it gets really fascinating. Do you think that the, so the state of dreaming is it a portal? Do you, I, can I, you see I, it that way? I, I can. It's an opening to the spiritual realm. And sometimes, I mean, I think many people who are open, um, psychically spiritual, I've had dreams where I'm like, wow, that was not just a dream. Like I was, I was in someplace else. Um, either experiencing something that's going on with someone else, or maybe that's another aspect, uh, another incarnation that I'm in, you know, and wake up and it's, it's like, it just felt so real. Um, so absolutely. I, I definitely think that, um, dreams can be portals, not always, but they certainly yeah. can be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do too. Jerry. Yeah. I was going to say the idea of, uh, you said incarnations and I have the same exact thing that, that your people quote unquote past lives are all running simultaneous it's all you know right now happening yeah. now and it's infinite but your consciousness can only exist in one of them so you got to pick one and when yes. you sleep you can maybe yeah. jump to another one and that's technically a past life or insect you know i don't know what you might call it, adjacent life yeah and i think as you get more experience as a soul um more awareness, you can, you can develop an understanding and have access to some of this stuff. I think that younger souls that are having that conscious experience at a younger level where they haven't had as much experience from their ability to remember it, they, they're not able to access that. So it, it's just an interesting thing where <clears throat> I feel like most people are coming at this from their level of consciousness and awareness and then expecting everyone else to be at that same level. Right. Cause they know? just found it's out. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a big light bulb moment for me. Like, Oh, I really can't expect other people to believe and understand some of the things that I believe and understand because they haven't had that experience to lead them there yet. And one thing that's real interesting about, if, if that if that's the case that you know you know you're basically it's a roulette wheel and you're you're the ball <laughs> and, <laughs> right you know, that um it kind of uh destroys the theory that your mind is wiped when you're born here it's so, not it's not wiped you just started a new file i i think it's i think we have a 
sort of selective amnesia that happens as needed and that when when we're able to handle that information it gets less and less so for me i'll have flashes of past lives all the time and there are certain things even coming in i already knew were really significant always was really drawn to ancient egypt and understood that there was significance for me there and by the way like were you cleopatra you... <laughs> no. <laughs> I was I had significant past lives um during ancient Egypt. And you know, when something is important for you, the universe will find a way. So my undergrad's in theater and I went on a business trip to Cairo in theater. Just <laughs> <is> totally bonkers. <laughs> like that is not a normal thing. So here was I just graduated from university and I was sent to Cairo to work on a theatrical production. Like, that's weird, you know, yes. very cool. I'm so glad that I went. Um, but yeah, it's the it way was, synchronicity it works. Incredible. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right. I'm yeah, done. that's that that is that's a, a really great example with the Cairo stuff. I love I just want to ruminate on uh, Jerry's idea with the roulette wheel and you're the bald. I just think that is such a perfect image for how how some of this can function and uh it resonates with me and i hadn't, I hadn't hadn't seen it that way so i just wanted to give that a little bit of love when <clears throat> so when we're talking about obes and being out of body i want to look at higher consciousness here so what do you see the difference what is the difference from your opinion and your experience between say that state and the state we're in right now. So I think when you're out of body, you're really focusing on just the spiritual component of yourself. And when you're in body, you're focusing on the combination of your physical experience and your energetic or spiritual body. And I think the spiritual is very important and I think this physical also has its place. So I think it's in many ways about balance and the, we can be the most effective when we are crossing that bridge between the two and being aware of the spiritual, but also being attached to and in our physical bodies. That's what I have found. So I think I spent the first part of my life being completely only focused on the physical and having very little understanding and awareness on a deeper level of the spiritual. And then I think because I had gone so far in, in that extreme, then when I became aware of the spiritual and I just go deep into that and went in very quickly and very deeply um, far in that direction. And then what I've come to realize is the, the most impactful and powerful place to be is actually by bridging that gap and being in the middle. So yes, understanding that the spiritual realm is very important and um, we have to have awareness of that, but we also have to balance that with an understanding of the material world and, and, you know, being kind of walking that line. And I feel like that's part of what I'm here to do is help people with that. So as an example, my uh, birthday is May 20th. So I am a Boris uh, cusp Gemini, you know, so I'm like, I'm right, I'm bridging between earth and air. And I think that is important. And it's good to play around with the spiritual, it's good to be here physically. And then the most powerful is to understand how the two meet. 
absolutely it's uh it's yeah it's rather juicy especially when you open yourself up to how they overlap yes yeah yeah and I, I, I feel like a lot of times we're taught you kind of have to choose one or the other. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> this doesn't have to be a choice. Like, and there's so much um, power. And I mean that in, in terms of spiritual power when you acknowledge their connection. Is there... Okay, so speaking in the physical material world, how real, Laura, do you think this is? I mean, of course, it comes off very real. And if we cut ourselves, we bleed. And, you know, just like in video games, too, we can die. But how, how real is it in the end when we look at it and compare it to things like memory, how that's just so transient, and then other states of consciousness like dreaming and channeling? And all of that, it, it's for me, the lines really start to fade if I allow myself to go there. Yeah, I mean, in many senses, it's not very real on the way that most people think of it as being real. But at the same time, it is a huge um, learning place. And, you know, it's not an accident that we're here. And if we're here, it's because there's something for us to understand and experience and explore. So I think it's important not to get caught up in certain illusory perspectives or beliefs, but at the same time, to know that it is here for a reason, even if it is for us to transcend it, but that's still a thing. And uh, we, we, in order to do that, often need to go through certain experiences in order to be able to understand exactly how it works. In, in the dreamscape, do you get precognitive stuff that you know, you come out knowing this is a precognitive experience where you've actually, for lack of a better word, and simplistically, you know, you've seen ahead. Yeah. Although what's interesting is as I develop my abilities, it happens less. And I think it's because I'm able to access that through just a, my wake state now. Um, I don't, it doesn't have to come in through a dream. So I think when I was not as open and didn't have as much training, Dreams are one of the main um, sort of avenues that my angels and spirit guides could use to give me information. And now I can just channel it and I just do it so regularly, either for myself or for clients. Um, so that's been an interesting shift to watch where it's like, wow, I don't need it through dreams as much. And so it's not coming in through that channel because I didn't know how to bring it in through other channels before the dreams were like a channel that was easy for them to access. And so I think that happens a lot with people who haven't learned to open up in other ways that the, the angels and guides and maybe loved ones are like, oh my gosh, well, we can get to her through dreams. So we're going to do that. <laughs> um, and that's wonderful. I mean, I think that's amazing. Uh, but I also think it's not the only way to receive that information. So that's been an interesting thing to, to watch shift for myself because when I was going through this big shift, I was getting more of these profound dreams. And now it, I just basically get the information that comes in. And, and in terms of, um, you know, precognitive or kind of prophetic dreams, uh, I cer certainly did have several of those involving, um, you know, things that would happen for me or people in my life, um, clients. But now I just open up psychically and I just see things that are coming 
or potential things that are coming in. I, you know, a lot of times we have choice and we can choose yes or no down this path or this other path, but I don't have to access it through a dream state anymore. I've heard this from other people before and I really, uh, I've decided to consider tuning. You were tuning into your own higher frequency and it had to be done through symbology and through your subconscious and dreaming until you were, you know, click, you got onto that channel and now boom, you're clicked in now. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good point. And that happened also, even just um, as a psychic through my work, meaning when I first was starting, I really needed the symbols and the messages and I'd have to decode it. And now it's like, I just get the message. So I'm a really fast reader now compared to what I was because I used to need to see the symbol, try to decode it, ask for clarification to make sure it wasn't understanding. And then for a while, the images would show and then it was like, okay, I already, I, I decoded that. I know what it means. I don't need to go through that whole process of like decoding it. But now I just get the message directly. It's like, I don't even need symbols anymore. And that's, that's a, it was a really profound shift and um, also meant that I just became a much faster reader. So like now I can get in 15 minutes, what it literally might've taken like an hour and a half for me to get before right. just in and terms of the amount of information. For listeners, when she says reader, she means reading people psychically, not reading books. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's important to clarify. <laughs> Although I am a very fast reader in terms of books as well. <laughs> when you... Give us an idea. And, and so with the idea of filters of how you uh, present, say, say in particular, like this last weekend, I was presented with information that I needed to get through that was difficult to tell someone and, and found, you know, found the filters and got it through. But how do you deal with difficult information where you can see someone is, say, for example, close to passing and they have no Mm. idea you can see that that's coming down the the pipe um or anything difficult how how has your filtering of information grown over the years and where are you at now with say this harder stuff yeah so first thing i always check in with why is that person coming to me and i i do my best to serve them with what their needs are and check in with my guides. Is this something that's going to be beneficial for this person to know or be aware of or not? Um, I think when I first started, I just felt like, oh my gosh, it's going to help them. And I just would share whatever I felt like was important for them to know. And I realized over the years that that's not how I was actually the most hopeful because sometimes that was my projection of whatever I thought they needed, not what they actually did. So I really lean on the angels and spirit guides um, to help me determine what is going to be the most important for them now. And I also don't get wrapped up in their choices the way that I used to. So it used to be if I provided some information and then that client chose not to act on that or not to believe it or whatever, and then they experience pain or suffering or even death as you brought up can happen. And I used to really take it personally. Now I'm like, no, they just, you know, that's whatever, whatever a person chooses is what they need. And I think that was hard for me to accept, but I've realized that if people are choosing something, it means there's still something in that in terms of a lesson or experience that they haven't gotten yet. So that's helped me a lot with letting go of, you know, feeling like I have to change outcomes to a certain thing um, or that it's important for me to relay something that maybe that person doesn't even want to hear. 
And part of it was also me making sure that I'm only doing this with people that are really ready. So for example, charging as a psychic is really important for that reason, because it's one of the ways that you prevent yourself from trying to give um, information to people that they do not want or are not ready for is that financial barrier. Uh, and it's, it's a significant one. I mean, it's, it's, you know, in other societies, it wasn't through money directly, but that's how our society is set up. <laughs> so that's part of it. And then in terms of when I am getting the message to really something that could be painful, traumatic or challenging for the person, I try to do it with compassion and also really whatever it is I'm getting in terms of, is this set yet? Or are they being told this so that maybe there's an opportunity for them to make a change, even a dramatic one? change this outcome which sometimes happens as well have you after after say a reading uh has ended and you know it is whatever it was gotten more information about a situation i know you've done investigations with agencies and stuff say you've gotten more information do you how do you then reopen like recontact the client and say more has come in uh how do you go about that if you get more information mm. that you didn't have during the initial reading that doesn't happen very often and i guess it depends on what the situation is the, the terms of that particular situation client um it, it doesn't happen much i had one reading where i just it was so funny because the moment i was like i just was was certain people are harder to read than others. I don't know if you have that experience, but like sometimes information comes through, sometimes it just feels like it's coming through murky water or something. And I think sometimes that has to do with also the openness of that person to receive that information. But at this one client where she asked me about her partner and I was like, and I was getting this romantic partner, like this is not your, I, your best partner for you, but you guys are both learning lessons, you know, through each other. But it, when you're ready to move through this lesson, like you can move on. Uh, you don't need to be in this anymore. Um, and and she'd asked me how long she was with that person. And I think she meant in this life, like how long, I think she was kind of testing me. And what I got was seven. And then, and it wasn't until later that, that I was like, oh, that was seven lifetimes. <laughs> so it was one of those moments oh, where wow. like, oh, <laughs> she was asking about years, but they told me lifetimes. And it's because they've been playing this game, you know, kind of dance together for so long. And at that point, I'm like, I'm not going to reach out to her. Like, I think she just, she's doing what she's going to do. Uh, but at any rate, that was one of those examples. But that's rare. It, it doesn't happen very often. And I think it was more for me to understand the, the awareness of like what happened there. Yeah, that is interesting. What about, so how do you feel, what are your perceptions and ideas of, and Jerry brought this up a little bit earlier about death, but in the idea of death, and since you have, uh, a, well, who you are and what the work you do, but also the way you came into this particular life, having already been aware, uh, what are your how do you feel about death? What What's going on with the process of death? And once you get there, are there things, what kind of wisdom can you share within the kind of the general death talk of all this? Yeah, it's so funny because as a, a psychic and a, what works as a psychic medium, I think of death so differently than most people. I, I, I welcome death when it's my time. Like I'm not in a hurry because I know that I have a lot of things that I can do and I'm like happy to do them. but to me, death really is 
just another type of birth. Um, so I think we get born into here and then we also get born into the, the other side and the spiritual um, realm without the physical. And I, I welcome it when it's the time. And I think it's a magical, wonderful place. And, uh, you know, there are some cultures that I think acknowledge that and, you know, here like death duels, which is the same as like, you know, there's duels for uh, birthing babies. And so that's how I really feel about it, that we're just um, going into the birthing of another level of awareness and understanding for ourselves. And that's one of my big hopes is to help to shift and release fear about it, because I just feel like it's not something that is fear worthy. And most of the stuff that elicits fear around death has to do with a lot of, of false ideas and messages we've gotten about the process and hell. I can't tell you the number of ghosts that I've crossed that were literally afraid of burning in hell. And I'm like, look, this isn't what's happening for you. <laughs> you can cross over. Don't worry. You know, it's these mental ideas that we get um, pulled into that bring a lot of fear. And I have found from my work um, communicating with spirits that it's a really lovely process. And, and once spirits go through that process of the life review and kind of understanding what happened, there's so much um, appreciation for the time on the other side and also the time here um, because then they can see the whole perspective. I have it on good authority that the hell dimension has been shut down for a couple hundred years. <laughs> you know, I think there are different <laughs> planes that people might think of as somewhat hellish, but it's not a place that is like, oh, well, that's where you go to be punished for your sins or something like that. It's not like that at all. And also when spirits are earthbound and kind of trapped, I feel like that could feel you know, pretty hellish. Um, but I've also gotten the message that when people are on soul level ready to get out of that, then they will. And so it's, it's just a very different thing than what we've been kind of shared through Judeo-Christian perspective of it being a place for punishment have you seen this new tv show sorry to tangent here no, but that's it, fine it's called the in-between i've heard of it but i actually haven't watched it yet okay it's about this young woman who's a psychic medium and can communicate with entities that are in the space called that they call the in-between which is mm -hmm. astral they don't specify it's between the next life and hell or heaven and mm -hmm. hell they don't come out and say heaven and hell, but it's pretty much implied. It's just the space that, that shit happens in. And it's interesting. You, you might enjoy it. I don't know. I like yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, I did, like I said, I do like those that deal with paranormal and kind of supernatural. So I will check it out. <laughs> I, think, I think it's on CBS. I need to check that out as well. I'm wondering. So I just had recently, someone quite close to me had. Uh, died and came back and he said that and this you know who knows what i do and all this stuff and my perspectives so we don't die of course and you know we're immortal it's so funny but his his experience was really interesting where he said it was just on off when when all signs of life were there it just he just turned off it was white and then just turned off and then he was back here and nothing happened happened in the in-between and uh you know and i've heard these stories before 
also. But I'm wondering, what are your, and it's perplexing. I, I don't have anything to say to that. I don't even know what to say to that because you, that was his experience. And I just, I don't even know. So again, another thing that's synchronistic about you being on right now, because I wanted to bring that to you. What are your thoughts on that with people that just have this kind of nothingness experience that have had a near-death experience, that have died and come back? I think that perhaps they didn't fully disconnect from their physical form in the sense of even though the body may have been dead, they haven't truly that door hasn't opened that doorway to the spiritual plane, perhaps because it wasn't meant to be for them as an experience or just wasn't their time. I think that's part of it. And then also getting that for some people that have that, they have almost like a block on their third eye or something that is allowing them to see. So it's almost like someone put a blindfold and they just can't even see. So I think it, it depends, but those are two options that are kind of popping up psychically for what's going on with some of those individuals. Yeah. And the first one I think is where I've landed with it. I think that it wasn't because it, he wasn't gone, right? It was like pretty fast. Yeah. But, you know, the signs of life were all gone, but then and he did come back pretty fast. So I thought it wasn't long enough of a disengagement from, from the body and, you know, who knows what's from there is. So with that though, with these experiences, uh, also, I guess, the people that have died longer, have been dead clinically long, you know, where they put the paddles away and all that, and they come back. Right. Yeah. Those <laughs> stories are amazing. Those are almost always amazing. And I can't recall the book that those doctors, that one with all the dogs, just came out a couple years ago with these tales that doctors didn't want, some were, remained anonymous, didn't want to... Uh, talk about in public because they were still in practice, but just filled with these amazing stories of death and people that came back after impossible amounts of time. Right. Uh, okay. So yeah, I kind of, I got sidetracked into that, but I, I wanted to bring that in because that just happened this last weekend. Uh, so Oh, it's weird how my mind just blew away with that. Can I bring something up that's coming up to share? Yes. I'm getting from the guys. Come here, in, so. Laura. Come in with okay, it. Okay, all right. <laughs> so one of the things my guides are, are wanting to talk about is how there's not only different levels of soul development that are happening here. So kind of young souls and, you know, older, older, it's not quite the right term, but those that have more experience and those that don't. Um, but we also have different types of souls that are incarnating and the perspectives from those different types of souls are going to vary widely. So I am an incarnated angel. And that means that I connect more with angelic realms than perhaps some others because they're like my, they're my type, right? <laughs> my people in a way. And also that I am very psychic. I have certain avenues that are more open to me than for some others because of this kind of soul nature than other people. So I, just I, I just get that that's important to bring up because it's not like we're all the same in terms of what we even can perceive or understand because of, of both the level of experience that different people that are incarnated have, as well as maybe our inherent original form as well. Thank you. I actually needed to hear that. 
So I needed Good. to hear that. I, okay. I'm, I just, it was like something, I don't talk about this a lot during the <laughs> I just came in to share it. <laughs> no, it is it's very meaningful to me personally. Uh, I wanted to, and I had this written down for this particular point in the show before we start, you know, seeing if people have questions for you and all that, that may be in the chat. I don't pay attention. Uh, I like to focus on the conversation. Sure. But do you have looking forward into into this timeline? And now we know that these timelines shift and all that. What yeah. do you see going on? So we're and I'm looking at I'm looking at, of course, above above politics, all that. I'm looking at the major changes we're seeing in the world, in the earth and uh in the energetics that seem to be flooding in and this weird shift over that is happening right the age of aquarius but the way that the planet seems to be uh shifting having having its shifts as well and then there's a lot of talk about the event and all that stuff what do you think's going on and what have you seen personally that's attached to all this. Yeah, I think we're going through a profound physical shift and a lot of behaviors that are not aligned um, with the planet are going to start to be released. I think we're in the sort of last gasp of some of these old paradigms that are holding on. So even though things may appear to be worse or getting worse, I actually get that we're about to go through some major very positive shifts in terms of the planet, but it's just that kind of last gasp of these horrible things <laughs> that we're experiencing right now, some of them. And I do get from the spiritual realm that we're going to have some pretty kind of miraculous things that come in and solve some problems that a lot of people think are unsolvable. So I do have hope and, and faith in that. Um, so whether it's radiation or plastic or whatever, um, not to get into a lot of fear. Yes, do take it seriously and take action, but at the same time, know that it's possible for there to be a huge kind of paradigm shift that changes things very quickly and very dramatically. Is it like a, a cataclysm kind of shift or? I mean, it could be something discovery. special, but I'm talking about, yeah, scientific discovery, um, awareness, someone coming forward with, you know, some solution. Um, so, there's so many things right now where there have been forces um, trying to keep kind of us kind of in the dark, so to speak. Um, so, you know, kind of a, a unlimited power that we need where we don't have to burn fossil fuels and things like that, things like that, that I think there's so many souls and spirits that are incarnated trying to help us with some of these um, seemingly insurmountable problems. Do, do you think that the the system it is trying to uh, dampen consciousness uh, as a Absolutely. whole with like oh, th yeah. things like five <laughs> 5g I was gonna say oh yeah I mean things like um 5g things like keeping keeping people sick and kind of dumb uh, I, I uh, would be very cautious about having fluoride I'm very careful about the water that I drink that's one of those things that I I, I do feel like that is actually a a purposeful attempt to keep people um, both uh, under control as well as reduce um, intelligence in order to to keep people more malleable and controllable. 
Thank you, yeah, Operation a, Paperclip. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of these things that work, but at the same time, there's also a lot of souls that are working on trying to help this information come out. And I think it's important to, if you are one of those souls, to do it in a way that is safe for you. And that's the key. Um, it's, uh, it's easy to kind of reel against some of these forces, but sometimes then you get silenced. So you have to find a way to balance whatever it is that you're trying to share um, with finding a way to do it safely. And I, I, it's interesting because I, I feel that's one of the reasons I've gotten the message to go more into kind of entertainment. Um, and I, I do a fair amount in that world because people, it's like still safer for them to access it and it's safer for the person presenting it to be doing it through that lens sometimes than to be you know okay it's a fiction fictional story about aliens and control things or it's a yeah, we <laughs> fictional enca- we encapsulate it in dream in dream are, talk you know it's yeah yeah you know. exactly um people can can accept it and it doesn't feel as dangerous to society because every fiction has a little truth to it somewhere absolutely yeah, yeah. Well, that that said, too, what what are your what are your perceptions on other races, non-human, and oh, man. Yeah. the whole galactic thing? Where where are you there? Well, yeah, I'll just say there's a whole lot going on there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, so way more people think. Um, I think there's a general consensus, even amongst the scientific community, that there probably is extraterrestrial life somewhere. And my perspective as a psychic is like, there's no question about that. Yeah. It's here <laughs> on this planet, uh, many different forms. And um, as a psychic, I can say that there are many, many different types of beings that appear human and are not. Um, so, yeah, that's just my perspective. I don't expect everyone else to understand or believe that. But that is what I see and perceive. <laughs> with my ability um and some of these beings are i would say helpful and some are not um it's quite the range uh you know same thing with humanity like we have hitlers and we have mother Teresa's and everything in between yeah Uh, it's funny for me i'm with you 100 percent on this and i uh, the thing that i'm noticing recently is i'm seeing them more in the open now the more humanoid ones are you yeah oh yeah yeah for some time now and i what's funny is a lot of them are very telepathic and so it's like you can have these you know kind of telepathic conversations a lot of times they'll do things that are just very out of the norm for human behavior so if you're really watching for it you can be like okay yeah that's not a normal thing a human would do (laughs) No, they're shining. They're like they stick out. So it's so funny because what they're doing is they're they're basically blending. So they're in normal clothing. Yeah. Oh, and they all look this. appear human. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. So, well, some of them do. Some are quite awkward looking. That's and, true. I mean, if you're paying attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I I told you. I saw one where I was like, don't even like you fit it's in, but passing. you don't even really look like. <laughs> yeah, it's like, girl, you're not passing. And uh, that's what, yeah, I mean, I've been having these encounters and it's funny yeah. when I'm with people and I'm an introvert and I live kind of a, I say monastic lifestyle. And I mean that more in the kind of witchier sense because I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, I wasn't born with any kind of religion. So, but I live a, right. I try to stay out of the public really. And 
when I'm out in the public, it's usually with friends and I'll point these things out and it's like they blend until you point it out. And then, you know, I get the agreement. I'm like, is this, this, per, this is an, this is non-human and, and yeah. they'll get their eye on it. And they realize this is truly non-human. <laughs> and so what do you think's going on? It's all, you know, Laura, it's been in the last really for me, two years, I'm just seeing them every time I'm out in the world now, someone somewhere, and usually they're in pairs, I noticed. Yeah, I have seen that as well. Not always. There will be some just one, but I find them a lot in pairs as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, so do you think that we're on the edge of some sort of what, I mean, I've heard so many things from different people. Some people have, have brought up, well, it's like coming to the zoo planet, our planet, and they get in and they just want to see what's you know, walk amongst the the locals, the indigenous, uh, you know, the people here. And uh, I mean, there's just so many theories. What do you think's going on with the fact that there are so many really walking amongst us now? Well, I think, I think what you said is probably part of it. And I think there's also this major battle kind of struggle for control of this planet. And it's really amping up. I mean, this is happening uh, in the human level as well, right? With, yes. You yes. Know, different countries and perspectives and cultures that are trying to have dominance uh, but it's it's also happening um with different beings some of which are extraterrestrial and some of which are extra dimensional so it's yes. you know it's really complicated because sometimes people think something's an extraterrestrial and it's like well actually it's from this terra but from a different dimension of this terra <laughs> so it's really um confusing but yeah i think we're ramping up and i think there's many many different beings that are behind even some of, you know, various government or political yeah, systems, yes. corporations. And I, I feel that there is, even though a lot of these, most of these beings do want to be kept secret, there's also major efforts to plant the idea to people that they exist. So this is what I was talking about with, uh, you know, entertainment, like movies like Men in Black or, you know, yes. these different things like being like, hey guys, hey, there's a bunch of stuff here that you don't know. And by the way, it's like really happening. Oh, and they can clear your memories and blah, blah, blah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yep. <laughs> and I love that when, you know, I think it's, um, it's Lee Jones, but he picks up the, the tabloid and he's like, I got to see what's really happening. And he's like, oh, <laughs> right, right, right. He's outing stories. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of funny because a lot of the, the, what we consider like the, the weird, you know, online sites or stuff, I'm like, yep, that's totally happening. <laughs> it's yeah. been thoroughly seated into the entertainment. I mean, everything, yeah. look at all the series is now. And they're really yeah. pushing now the interdimensionality, like with Stranger Things yeah. and all that. Stranger Things, the new Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. yeah, it's really coming up. And it's so, I'm so glad because mainstream you know, this is the first time this has happened where it's becoming something that is discussed by, you know, a lot of people. I hate bringing up media all the time, but did you see that show Travelers on Netflix? Yes. Yes, I did. I Mm -hmm. think that was an important concept to get out. Yeah. Travelers. Both the way it ended and both the, you know, the idea of consciousness transfer through time and the fact that they were being ruled by an AI. I think that's really significant. And the Mm -hmm. other thing that I'm seeing a lot of is um, shows involving what we would, or some people might call, um, you know, monsters. 
being humanized. Um, yes. <laughs> so one of my favorite is like Hotel Transylvania, where they're like, look, we're nice monsters. We can have children with humans. We're not evil. <laughs> if you watch any of the um, the shows on the CW, the, the DC ones, like uh-huh. Flash or Arrow or yeah, whatever, I can't think of any other ones right now, but they're, they all have this concept of metahumans that were turned into, you know, super, yeah. you know, a half of them are villains and half are good. Yeah, I've always loved the sort of superhero genre because I feel like it's a celebration of people that are not just kind of stereotypical, you know, people yes. with abilities. And the truth is, I think there are so many people with these, what we would consider superhuman abilities out yes. there that most of them are afraid to be public because of, you know, what might happen. They might get logged into, take it to a lab and experiment it on or whatever. Probably. But I think this is becoming more and more open and even you know my ability seeing things um you know that other people don't see i mean there was a lot of fear that i had to overcome but i'm glad that these kinds of shows are showing what's possible because i think there's stuff that people a lot of people can do some of whom by the way may not be completely human (laughs) (laughs) Um, can do that most people would think is completely possible and i have seen um, myself a lot of those things where it's just like i had to completely shift my idea of not just what was spiritually possible, but what was physically possible based on some of the things that I witnessed um, through my experience. Reality is malleable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is, I do think the the good side of the entertainment biz right now is this is how we're getting disclosure with these totally. ideas, right? They're throwing it out there. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and because of the nature of, of collective thought and collective idea, we're now all aware that we have latent abilities and like the X factor, you know, the comics and, and now into films. We, we all know this and we always knew this, but these abilities, once we start accepting them, we see them portrayed, we start accepting them in ourselves and everything starts shifting around this. Yeah, there's a show. If, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but it's called um, Superhuman. It was executive produced by Stan Lee. I think they only did one season, but I loved it because what they did was they found people that had these really unusual, what, what they have labeled superhuman abilities, and they analyzed them and tried to figure out what's going on. And I feel like there's many more than, again, a lot of people are in secret. They're not talking about it. But, you know, from someone who can be electrocuted to, you know, have electrical charge running through the body that would kill someone multiple times over and they're fine, um, to someone who can roll a a metal pan in his hand like it's paper, you know, um, people that have what seems to be superhuman speed, you know, all these kinds of things. um, I think there's going to be more and more analysis and then also an expansion of what is possible, which I think is amazing. And, and I just have to wonder if how much of that is naturally organic evolution or government meddling. Government meddling, like I said, some people that have non-human non-human DNA. I mm. mean, I think this happens quite a bit, and there's all different kinds of stuff that has mixed with humans, um, either because of you know, kind of sexual procreation or because it's been done in a lab or whatever. Right, right. And, and, <laughs> and we don't... It's in a lot of different ways. Right, and there's no way for us normal humans to actually understand what, what's in the genome, you know? So it's just this concept Speak that, for yourself, Jer, on no, normal no, 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 I mean, like... <laughs> 
you oh don't God. know all 10 trillion codes in there. You can't go in and read it. You can't say, oh, look, he's a reptilian because he's got this. But no, it's not like that. So for, for the rest of the world, it's just this nebulous thing, DNA, you know, that they figured out. They figured out. I don't know where I was going. I think uh, I think that there's more and more that's being put together, and I do think that even when you know, it's being taken, there's probably some parts of it that's being analyzed in ways that we don't know. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's strictly a, really a three-dimensional interesting time. Thing. Yeah, I think yeah, there's an energetic think... component, a theory component to DNA. Oh, I completely agree with you, and that part they're probably not able to analyze. But I, I agree with you. It's what I was telling you about, like. I, you know, I, the inc incarnated angel aspect, like, I know that's interplaying somehow. I don't know exactly how that works, but I know it's there. Um, and I see that with others and, and it's not just angels. I see incarnated fairies. I see, you know, other mermaids, other types of beings. Someone um, told me I'm a djinn, so who knows? Oh, wow. Oh, oh my. I could kind of <laughs> see that, Jer. <laughs> I have a, a question. I have oh, a yeah, question. Mm -hmm. um, before we get to the end, I want to know, do you have advice for people on a way to protect themselves, especially as we move deeper into this? I, I, I had written this down. I wanted to get, get that for listeners that need it, especially since this suicide rate stuff and all that. Yeah, so I'm a huge advocate of working with angels, and it's a, the angel I brought up earlier, Archangel Michael, is if there's only one angel that you call on or that you know the name of or whatever, let it be Michael. <laughs> He's incredible. He's a protector. He can help with physical protection. Let's say you're in a situation where you feel physically unsafe or emotional, spiritual protection. Let's say you're having a struggle with depression, you know, suicide, um, negative thoughts about yourself or others. I've gotten the message that for people, we don't originate these kinds of negative thoughts, but we are often the victims of being influenced. And at the same time, once someone or some being starts to communicate with us, some of these um, darker thoughts and feelings, we can choose to say no and kind of move forward, or we can take it on as our own. And once we, we, we accept that, we do become a part of that conversation. It does become ours. Um, but it, it usually isn't ours inherently to start with. So just when you're thinking about your thoughts, first of all, ask, is this mine or feeling as well? And if it's not yours, ask if it's something that you want to engage with, even if it is yours, you can ask for the angels to help release it. But if it's not yours, it's very important to ask um, your angels and spirit guides and Archangel Michael specifically to heal, clear and release anything that's not of the light, anything that's not helpful. And then I would add that it's important to ask for it to be taken permanently away because this is something I learned the hard way. Like angels are very literal and I would say, take this being away. And then like, they take it away. And then like a couple hours later, be back or whatever. And I was like, what's the deal? And they're like, well, you can stay like forever. <laughs> and so they really do listen to our requests um, very literally. So that's something to keep in mind when you're asking for help with protection or clearing or whatever it is that you want to bring in your life. You know, if you're wanting, for example, more financial abundance, you know, be clear and specific um, and and then ask for it to come in. Maybe that there's something that you're doing that's not aligned with that. But I, for example, would hear many people like asking for money or asking for abundance and then they find a bunch of coins or find a nickel or something. 
technically your prayer has been answered. So if that's not it, like be clear, <laughs> right? So this this just solidifies my belief that they're servitors. Servitors, what's that? They're thought forms, highly energetic thought forms that, that you know, uh, are programmed for lack of a better term. They have functionality, they have agency, but they don't deviate from what you tell them to well, they can give guidance, you know, that is quite complex, but I've learned in terms of asking questions and asking for help that I think part of it is like they're allowed to operate in a certain way and they can't, they can't go out. of It's almost like a program, like you're saying, right, they right. can't go out of that. So we have to know how they work in order to utilize effectively. So exactly. There's definitely is nuance. Same with um, demons. So it, yeah, I, I agree with that. So if you want to learn more about angels in particular and how to ask for their help and how they communicate with us, my book, Angels, How to Understand, Recognize, and Receive Our Guidance is all about that. I've had this notion for a while that there are parasites, for lack of a better term, that have found their way into our grid, into the internet, mm. into digital space. Have you encountered anything like that? Or have thoughts oh, about that. sure. Okay. I mean, and I think these kind of what I call entities are, are absolutely infiltrated into technology oh. and the grid and, you know, internet um, completely. So, yeah, and, and you, that is something that um, you can also ask angels to protect as well is your communication space, your technology. So before I learned how to do that, I had, you know, I still have issues. It's not like everything is foolproof, but my God, it used to be just a like where everything technological would break down on me and I'd have so many insanely weird malfunctions that like the IT department hated me, you know? <laughs> and like, I still have glitches and things, but um, yeah, I absolutely think that's part of what's going on. And yeah, I really do think of these things as like energy parasites that feed on different emotion situations. Mm -hmm. And like you buttons. can, yeah, you can get more protected and also learn how to not um, get triggered by them. And then, yes. you know, they're like a parasite. If they don't get the food they want, they will move on. They're not going to stick around. Yeah. And they hate when you used to get triggered and then you stop getting triggered. Ugh. Oh, yeah, they do. And then <laughs> they get kind of like almost in a panic about it. <laughs> I know. That was my other question. Oh, nothing. You were talking about shifts coming up. And I had this, this thought the other day that... Um, that, you know, that the earth is magnetically coupled to the sun. Mm -hmm. And the sun is going through, a ch you know, it's, the solar cycle is changing. And it's, yeah. I've, I've heard other people say that it's going to flip. It's, the sun's poles are going to flip. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. And I was, I'm just, I, this has nothing to do with you. It's just, I'm just putting this, out, putting this out there. If the sun's poles flip and it's magnetically connected to earth, it stands to reason that the earth's poles flip too. Yeah, there's a lot of discussion. I was actually just reading an article about that, that this has happened many times um, in, in yes. world history, earth history, when it's happened, it's usually taken a while. So, um, 12,500 years. Yeah. Right. So that said, the, the magnetic north, for example, is shifting like way faster yep. than it has typically yep. like several miles a year, like way more than normal. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that this is likely to be happened, but at the same time, um, still probably not like so dramatically that people are gonna you know uh, yeah freak out freak out and like <laughs> i'm not talking it's not going to be an extinction event you know your gps might not yeah. be, work for a while but i just yeah. thought it was interesting that 
that it was solar driven versus something that the earth is you know the sun flips so we got to flip the myth because we're we're beholden to the sun we need the sun absolutely we we right. yeah we rotate around the sun i'm, I'm not a flat earther Allegedly. so i still do believe that <laughs> oh I, I think all space is fake it's just a hologram <laughs> oh. i'm crazy though that's, that's all i got how can so give us wrap us up on where people can find you in all yeah. of this yeah so for information on my psychic kind of spiritual work, you can find me at healingpowers.net. So my name is Laura Powers. That's tied in with my last name, healingpowers.net. And my podcast where we talk about a lot of the stuff that we were talking about on this show as well, it's called Healing Powers Podcast. You can find that on Spotify, you know, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all the major platforms for podcasts. And then my books, I have seven of them. They're on Amazon, all the other uh, big stores. Um, so that's under my name, Laura Powers. And yeah, feel free to reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at that Laura Powers. I'm on uh, Facebook at Healing Powers. And then I'm on Instagram, Laura Powers 44. So feel free to reach out. DM me. My email is bookings at laurapowers.net if you have any questions as well. This was a great pleasure, Laura. Yes. I am so thrilled that we were able to get you booked and we're able to work this out. And uh, just amazing. I felt very tapped in. Uh, it, it's you're definitely the real deal oh, <laughs> for you. real I felt that with you too and it was my pleasure to talk with different space or really getting at the heart of some stuff that most people are not aware of so I think that's great and so happy that you're doing what you're doing and thank you so much for having me on the show oh well, thank you it's been a pleasure and thank <laughs> you everyone for listening be sure to come by next week when we have the obelisk I'm not sure what the show is next week already yeah Oh my goodness. Um, I think it's with Eric, but I'm not sure. I, I have it in the calendar as December, so I need to verify with him. But yeah, that's okay. it. There we go. Thanks for everyone. Have a great night, and we'll see you next week.